Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and we're here today to talk about crate training, part two. So Tina and I were just talking before we started recording, and I said, um, I really ought to be recording because you're saying so many wonderfully brilliant things, and I'm not getting them down on tape, and I want the whole world to hear your brilliance. So we're hoping that Tina's brilliance will come shining through yet again when we go back <laughs> to this conversation. We're doomed. We're doomed. <laughs> yes. Because Tina and I, really, seriously, we are totally brilliant and so smart and funny and clever, and then we turn on... On the recording and then that's what you get is is us but then suddenly we're just dorks yeah we're just dorks so we're going to try today to to put our stunningly brilliant selves on the podcast and you can let us know if we have achieved that or not but <laughs> what we're going to talk about today is last time we talked about crates and and why crates are important and why sh- you should consider training your dog to stay in an enclosed area, if not to create a small area. And we haven't heard, as far as I know, from anybody overseas, we really would love, that's because it hasn't come out yet. Ha! Huh. It will come maybe. out. Anyway, maybe we will hear from somebody about um, what they do if they don't create it. But anyway, so last week was all about why you should create and some basics on how to create and how to get started. And so this week, we want to continue the crate discussion and talk about crate enrichment and what exactly does that mean? So, Tina, I've now babbled on long enough. You probably forgot what you were saying when we, <laughs> when I told you to stop. But I think it had to do with crate enrichment and and why and what that is and and do you use it all the time? And if you don't, why not? And so there you go. You can take off from this point and talk about crate enrichment. So I I don't do a ton of enrichment all the time with the crate, right? My dogs are all adults and they're fluent in crating skills. I tend to do more crate enrichment when I'm preparing them for something. For example, uh, Hurricane Sally is bearing down on my part of the country we're probably going to have a solid 24 hours of rain, which if you have a pot cake, a terrier and a pug means everyone is miserable and unhappy and doesn't want to have to potty outside. Um, and if I can't get them to empty out outside, then crate containment is helpful because I can kind of force the issue instead of the pug who's perfectly comfortable just finding somewhere else to eliminate. So. Um, you know, he's like, well, it's dry in the dining room. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so if my dogs are going to be crated more than they would typically be crated, let's say we're having construction done on the house or we're having service personnel over or if we pre- could pretend it wasn't COVID and we were having people over to have a get together, then I'm going to tend to enrich the crate one to classically condition and build a positive association between whatever hubbub is going on in the house and 
give the dogs some distance with that. So they're like, no, no, no. I love it when the U-verse guy is here because we get a stuffed awesome Kong. But I don't use it all the time, right? I don't enrich my kid's bedroom all the time. Like, they have their stuff in there. But I don't, they, they don't get a lollipop every time they go to bed. Or take right, a nap. Right, bed. right. Right. And and so, I mean, my dogs are used to a routine. They also know that they, and I. this is going to be earth-breaking for the dog training community, I totally use a crate as punishment. If you're a jerk and you can't be in polite society, I will totally put you in your crate. That is not the only time they go in their crate. But, like, before we started recording, Marco was laying on the sofa mad at the pug because the pug was walking around. Um, which the pug, by the way, is completely reasonable in doing, though he probably was muttering under his breath, too. And so I just said to Marco, like, you're too sensitive. You can go in your crate and take a nap by yourself, right, instead of grousing at everybody. Because he wasn't settling down, and it's just he's tired. But I'm like, just go in your crate, and I'll close the door and cover you up, and then the pug won't be bothering you. And sure enough, then the pug went and laid down in the other room. Because he couldn't get a rise out of Marco. So, you know, they've all been home since February, too. They're all, they're all annoying right. one another <laughs> as much as they can. So there are times that I use enrichment in the crate. Sometimes that is special treats that they would murder each other over if they were out in the house or they would be likely to guard. Um Sometimes, like, when we get birthday cookies because somebody's having their birthday or their gotcha day, that those things happen in the crate. Um, my dogs also eat their meals if I'm not working them. They eat their meals in their crate. So, again, nobody – so I know nobody's stealing somebody else's stuff because they they have to be all weird about that. Um, and so that they have peace at mealtime, right? I don't want taunting eating off my plate. The dogs don't want to be pestered by one another while they're eating, and they would. And everybody eats at their own pace, and it's just easier than having disagreements. So, I mean, my crate enrichment varies from I threw a handful of kibble in there, good luck, to me being super awesomely creative and, you know, freezing layers upon layers of things and Kongs and suspending them like a pinata through a window in the crate or from the top of a crate and doing more meaningful enrichment. So it's, I don't think any of it's difficult. I try not to just phone it in. Right. Well, one right. of the things that, that I have found too, is that I don't want it always to be over the top wonderful when you go in your crate, because I want to save that sometimes for something really special. The other thing is, is what I find is um, I, I kind of operate sort of like a slot machine in Vegas, right? Sometimes when you go in your crate, you get a few pieces of kibble. Sometimes you don't get anything. Sometimes like bones rain from the sky, man. So that the crate actually, that what I have found, and, and I know that learning theory will tell you this, and I don't have the precise term, so I'm sorry, everybody, I'm not going to use exactly the right term, but it's basically like intermittent reinforcement. So right. what happens is... Reinforcement. Right. So what, what I do is, because I don't, my dogs never know what, 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 what kind of crate entry is going to happen, then going into the crate is really rewarding, because this might be the one time that Julie really malfunctions, 
and um, we get, you know, peanut butter and liberty stuff. Yeah. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, my God, she's lost her mind again. Thank you, Lord. And, um, you know, we get a really super wonderful Kong or a pizzle stick or whatever it is I happen to have on hand. So I think it's also important to understand that by not doing it over the top every time, you're actually making the crate more rewarding if you seem to be random in what you do. Because then the dog doesn't ever know when the really wonderful thing is going to happen. Well, and honestly, it's not just crates, right? Like we have the little terrier who is honestly a little fuzzy menace in the house. He's positive that there are rats in all parts of this house. So yesterday he was on top of my sewing machine looking for mischief to get into. And when I interrupted him, he was like, what? There could have been a rat. So... He, when I can't supervise him, right? And he's not, how do I explain this? He's not being destructive in like, I'm going to chew up the carpet because I'm being destructive. He's more, there could be a kernel of dog food and he will destroy our house trying to get it out of the carpet. So he just doesn't have a lot of house manners yet. So he's often in a playpen right in in the living room so i can manage what's in his environment he can have more inclusion with the family than i can do than the crate right he would spend a lot of time in the crate if i didn't have the playpen for him to do right, right. the same thing i do enrichment there too so sometimes he goes in the crate and he gets amazing stuff to chew on like a star mark ball with one of the inserts in it Sometimes he gets a Kong. Sometimes he gets his food in a slow feeder, right? There's all sorts of different things that happen for him. Sometimes he just gets different toys, right? So the toys that are usually in there, I swap them out for different toys. He gets a water buffalo horn instead of the Benabone today. Um, But again, I want him ideally to be learning how to settle in the house and not try to murder the cat. So... I don't want it so enriching that then he's going to guard that space. So there's just a little bit of like, how do we shuck and jive? That's probably a bad term, but how do I make it enriching enough that he doesn't mind going in there? He's not viewing it as like he's in doggy prison, but also not so awesome that he's willing to go to fisticuffs with the other dogs if they get near it. Right. So that's a different balance depending on right, the dog. Right, absolutely. Like, Zuzu probably wouldn't worry about it at all. Like that wouldn't even be a concern. But I have a household of dogs who are a little bit high strung. So well, Clementine would be a little more possessive about things than I think Zuzu. And Zuzu's uh, just a lot easier about, okay, if, if you really want it, then okay, fine, you can have it. But if Clemmy, if Zuzu decides, you know, Clemmy, I think you've been chewing on that water buffalo horn long enough. I, I would kind of like a turn. And so she'll just snuggle up to the side of her and hold on to the other end of it. And Clemmy's like, really? No, no, no. Yeah, it's my horn. That's why I have something close to two dozen water buffalo horns in this house. So that I can always trip over one to give to another that dog. That seems like a reasonable, yeah, that seems like a reasonable number. So the... the So, yeah, right. Like our dogs, like individual, like we as individuals have different sensitivities. Absolutely. So, 
So Clemmy is more on the end of like, no, these are my crayons. Please don't touch them. Can you see her asleep and in my chair over there? She's so cute. Yes, she's in my leather chair. Um. Oh my gosh, you let your dogs on the furniture? <gasps> Gasp. Yes. Um. If she if she were to start guarding the chair, then I'm sorry, you have lost all privileges. Right. For being you, on the chair, right, lose the chair, right? And, and and if she like, she's terrible. Like she'll, I'll be in my chair and I'll get up to I don't know, use the restroom. I get back and she has sprawled across the whole thing. It's like, well, yeah. I'm sorry, you abandoned it. And it's like, I'm here, but she is. She's not bad. I can scoot her little bottom over and get in the chair with her, and she doesn't get grousy. If she did, then she would no longer be allowed on the chair. Right, and we would practice like. Get up and like get invited into the chair. Get invited. Absolutely, off the chair. absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, another one of them. And and there are sometimes where I'm in the chair, and then then one dog will be on me, and the other one will be on the footstool, and then suddenly for whatever reason somebody has sounded the alarm, and we have to switch. So there's all this big like, okay, um, are you going to the left or am I going to the left? I'll go to the right. <laughs> So, so one will come around my right side, then we'll go my left side, and then we have this big, huge switch Ola. And then it repeats itself again in another 20 minutes or whenever this secret alarm goes off and we have to rotate dogs somewhere. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it, but, um, but it's the same kind of thing is um, you have to work according to, to the dog. And if we were to start showing things of possessiveness, then I'm sorry, we have to work to abate that because um, I, I kind of like it's, it's, it is actually my chair. It's not, actually the dog's chair so i mean i'm not trying to resource guard it or anything i'm more than happy to share it with the dogs but because of that they have to be willing to share it with me yes so so whether i think we're doing enrichment in a pen in a room in a crate in a yard in the car it i think it you know, setting them up for success is a little bit of a balancing act depending on the dog, right? Um, and I try to do, because I have some very sensitive dogs, I do a lot of classical conditioning with enrichment. So, for example, if I had a dog who was afraid of thunderstorms, it might be you get a really amazing stuffed Kong with amazing things in it and a sardine sticking out that's frozen because that's disgusting. And you're getting that in your crate while the sound of fireworks is playing quietly in the background. So the dog's building a positive association. Or, for example, my um, the menu food delivery subscription I do typically arrives on Wednesday. I know that is the case. The dogs like to lose their ever loving minds over that. And so I get notifications so I can set the dogs up that they're in their crates. They're having something yummy to chew on when that delivery is going to occur so that they don't spend all day Wednesday flipping their lids about was that the delivery that we needed to yell about today? Um, Cause I don't want that repeated the rest of the week or we cascade into, you know, Barkosaurus Rexes. So um, the same thing, if I, if I had a service that came and mowed the grass, 
that would be on a schedule. I would have the dogs occupied in a positive way so that they're not guarding the house, you know, from the guy with the lawnmower and the weed whacker. So I think a lot of times we can use enrichment to float in a crate, in a pen, in a bathroom, wherever you're going to stash the dog to build positive associations and to avoid the things that we tend to fuss at them about. Right. Right. Don't, don't yell at the yard guy the whole time he's here or, um, and I will say some of my more affluent customers, I think have a much more difficult time of it because their properties are substantial enough that there's people in and out all the time. Right. And I find that those dogs tend to get, more and more aroused and guardy because there's a pool guy and there's a yard guy and there's a handyman who's there all the time. And then the pest control guy shows up and then this guy and that guy and this chick and that chick and then this person. And so it um, often house, those households are very, very busy and it's not the same pool guy every week. Like it rotates between six pool guys. And so now the dog is like, who is this coming on the property today smelling like strange chemicals and holding a broom in his hand? So um, we talk a lot about, like, is any of that stuff on a schedule and can we insulate the dog from it a little bit so that they're not having a big, huge stress that's happening constantly all week long? Because then, of course, when your house guests come over, your dog's a little bit nutty. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that that this reminds me of as well is scheduled visits that may not be regular. I mean, I I don't have the dishwasher repair guy in every week, right? But I do occasionally will have a AC guy or an air conditioner or the roofers come because I have a slate roof that's like a hundred and some odd years old. And so I have my slate roof inspected twice a year. So, but I know the days that they are coming. So it's the same kind of thing. If your dog views the crate as a pretty happy place to be, right? And you know that this person is scheduled to come, whether it's on a regular schedule or not, there's a there's no reason why your dog has to meet every person that comes to your house. So we might as well have a happy place for them to be so that um, that these things do not turn out to be st- incredibly stressful events for them because I don't the one thing I don't want is for my dog to think every time I I have to go in the crate that means somebody scary is coming to the house or that um, something bad is going to happen if I were out of the crate so you want to condition them that the crate's a great place to be but you also want them to to uh, feel as though um, people coming to the house is a good thing because I get to go into I couldn't get a tasty Kong. Right. And some dogs like Zuzu are excited to meet the new person, right? Like if you have super social dogs, but remember that that guy who's coming to fix the dishwasher is there to do a job. Right. Dogs may not be his groove and he may not be comfortable. He may have been, you know, bitten by a dog two weeks ago. Right. So we want to, I don't know. My dogs don't meet everybody. And actually, my first appointment today was with a a client in Atlanta who, it was a total fluke. She has a gate on the front porch. 
yesterday, a brand new delivery guy decided to break the rules and open the latch on the gate and put a package on the porch because it was going to rain. Right. He was doing a really kind, sweet thing. He was putting her parcel in a position where it's not going to get soaked through and through. The problem is her dog is incredibly fearful. So they were playing in the house. They had the magnet screen door open because there's a gate on the front porch. No one ever comes on the front porch without their permission. The dog hears the latch of the gate, assumes that it's this customer's brother who she loves. She goes flying out there and there's a dragon on the front porch. Oh, poor thing. Oh, right. So, you know, the guy probably had to change his shorts. Fortunately, she didn't bite him. (laughs) But, I mean, the dog really was traumatized. Urinated and defecated. Jumped up on the guy. Had him pinned against the, the gate. Right? My customer kind of flipped out a little bit, understandably, because she's afraid somebody's going to get hurt. And so today we talked about how to counter condition that, what to do, working on it. And then we also talked about things like, okay, this guy was trying to do something kind. But what if we had a box, like a, a patio box, where like you store all your cushions for your patio? Right. You can put your packages in there. Put your packages in there so that it inhibits the person from reaching over the gate or opening the gate on the porch. And she was like, well, holy guacamole. I'd never thought about that. Right. So there needs to be more than one layer. And then we also talked about conditioning the dog that when the latch happens, go to another location in the house. Do not go to the latch. So... And we talked about, like, this week, this customer's brother's been in town visiting. The dog loves him, but she's now associated that gate latch with her uncle coming to visit, who she loves. So she charged the gate, expecting a friendly stranger who she loves, and instead getting something really terrifying for her. So, of course, she overreacted. It's a young dog, right? The owner overreacted. She freaked herself out. We can work on it. But there was also a little bit of like, okay, like that could have been a really dangerous, really, really negative experience. Right? And we all forget. So, I I try to have a rule at our house that no one will come in a door if dogs aren't secured. Good or bad. Because I don't want my dogs to be standing at the door, not sure. Right. And and a burglar's right. not going to ring the doorbell. A burglar's going to kick the door in and then, well, heaven help them. But um, I can't I can't plan for that. But I don't right. want to set my really sensitive dogs up to the only people who walk in the door are people you love and then have some overzealous delivery guy trying to deliver my package directly into the kitchen because it's going to rain. And again, the guy wasn't doing anything wrong. Like he wasn't being a jerk. He didn't deserve to get terrified by a dog. Right. Well, it's it's funny, but you should mention that because I I now have an expat on my, on my front porch so that my, my, because I live in this house that is 140 years old. So go figure, not all of my doors close particularly easily 
Right. With the front screen door, I don't know how much time we were. You have to give it a real oomph to get it to close. And I don't always give it the oomph that it needs. So sometimes if the front door is open and this, then there's the screen door, if that's not closed tight, then I have yet another layer, right, which is the X-Pen to prevent the dogs from going off the front porch. But what's nice about the X-Pen is I can back it up so that there is room for, and, and my delivery people are great. They will put it on the, on the porch and then they can push the X-Pen a little bit so that the package gets underneath the, 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 uh, the porch roof. Um, but they don't come on the other side of the gate. And my dogs have not yet figured out because they really are not. Okay. Clementine is now flipped over. She's just like a pancake. She just flipped onto the other side. She was sure. I'm sure she's asleep. Um, they have not quite figured out that they could actually push the X pen off the porch, but you can't, it's, it's just too hard. And we, we can't possibly figure that one out. So, but it's nice to have a couple different layers of security and one to have that's like the X pen is just, it's nice and flexible. So like, for example, when my writing partner comes over and we write on the porch on Friday morning, she, as much as my, my dogs adore her, she doesn't necessarily want them in her lap when we're writing, but the dogs want to be with us. So once again, this X pen is really nice because I can configure it that the dogs can be outside with us, but not on top of us. And so that's something to consider that if um, if you don't want to necessarily use a crate, but you feel like you need to teach your dogs a little bit more about management, because both of them get so excited. Oh, look, they're two of our favorite people. There's Julie and there's Laura, and we need to be with both of them. Well, yeah, you can be with us, but you don't have to be on top of us. X-Pens are another excellent way to provide another level of not only security, but a way in which your dogs can say, oh, whew. Well, like you do with your Jack Russell, I can be with you, but you, I don't, and I want you to be with me. I just don't want you to be on right. it. And I like that halfway house, but I've had to train it, right? He's not used to being secured yeah. in any way whatsoever. Thank you very much. So there was a little bit of just teaching him this isn't that big a deal, right? Good things happen yeah. in there. Because if I just used it, well, like you're talking about, right? Like if I only used it to be like, oh yeah, you lose freedom and you're now ostracized from everyone, that little social dog would would really struggle with that. Right. Well, it's not, and, and the dogs, they, they get to, to, to meet Laura. Laura will, will greet them and we say hello and so on and so forth. And then I get everybody settled down on the other side of the, the X-Pen. Usually I've tossed a bunch of kibble down for everybody or everybody gets something to chew on or, or whatever. Um, or maybe sometimes, depending on who's calm, maybe sometimes one of them is, is in the X-Pen, the other one's on the other side of the X-Pen. But it's, it's nice because I can manipulate the space and the dogs to accommodate what's necessary for that particular day. And to provide them some enrichment within it so that they, they will settle down and take a nap. Because sometimes if Laura and I are talking or I'm working, you know, it's just, and we bump in the dog, it's just, it's one of those, it's almost like they can't settle if they have to be right on top of us. But they can settle if they can just be with us. Right. So. And, and I'm assuming, it's, I'm assuming you taught that, like how to be in the X-Pen separate from just when Laura's there. Like you started with like, Hey, we go, sometimes we go in the X-Pen and yummy things happen. And then we come back out. And then 
exploded Laura into the mix. Yeah, well, I, I maybe well, I, I I guess I did. I mean, I, let me put it this way: one of the things I, I thought about is like, especially well, at the beginning of this year when I was on crutches and um, I was taking care of, of Clemmy, we just spent a lot of time together in the kitchen, and there were gates. And the X pen is just a form another. It's just a big gate, is what it really boils down to. So, Clemmy learned how to be in a smaller space with people. And um, there were times where um, I would just put them in the kitchen, like if I needed, this is when I was, was, trust me, I was not vacuuming on crutches. But, you know, if I had to be someplace, there are times where I was, there was one time I was working on my novel, and I plotted out my novel on a big, huge piece of butcher paper that's about six feet long or so, and I had it on the floor of the dining room, and um, honestly, didn't really want them walking on it when I was trying to plot out all the scenes. So they, but I was right next to the gate by the kitchen. So they both laid on the other side of the gate and I would occasionally toss them treats or give them things or get up and let them out. So they could be with me and watch me with this big piece of paper that I think they really thought was there for them to shred. But it wasn't there for them to shred. It was there for me to write on. So I think I did a lot of things like that. And and Zuzu has her her gate into my office that she has found that to be comforting. So yeah, I kind of use gates a lot and have used them a lot in a variety of situations that the dogs are just used to the idea of gates being there at times. Right. And sometimes people are on the same side of it with me and sometimes people aren't. But the, the, the beauty of gates is at least the dogs, I don't think the dogs feel quite as, I think they feel a little bit more incorporated. As you were saying with it, with your Jack, it's, 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 I have a little bit, it's, it's not, it's not like you really need your downtime in your crate by yourself because you can't handle the world right now. Gates are a little bit more sort of environment friendly, if that sort of be, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's another they're tool. Just a, yeah, they're just yeah, another Although it tool. does make me laugh because I talk to a lot of young families that they don't like use a playpen or a park and pay with kids. And I'm always like, yeah, I don't know how you would do that <laughs> with itty bitty kids. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't have good answers for that. Like I can remember when my brother right. was little, the only way my mother could take a shower and brush her teeth or go to the bathroom in peace was to put him in a playpen. Right. And the same thing. There were special toys he got when he went in the playpen. It wasn't his favorite thing. He would much have been, you know, it would have been much preferable to him to be a menace for the entire house. I say that because he's the youngest, right? He's the only boy. So obviously a menace Um, doesn't follow any of the rules. So, um, you know, it was a safe, secure place to put him when my mom couldn't supervise. And that's how I use crates and X-Pens right. and, and right. tethers and gates and all of those things. Right. So right. I, I sometimes people are like, well, we're not, we're not going to use any of those tools. And I'm like, okay, well then I am only of limited help because I, I'm not, I don't really know how I would teach a dog to, for example, stay off the furniture kindly when I'm not home to reinforce that lesson. Like, I think the vast majority of dogs would be like, yeah, if you're at the office, I'll be on the squishy sofa. 
Yeah. Because why wouldn't you know. I? Like, Jack's sleeping right. on my bed right now because it's unoccupied and it's really comfortable. So he's let, you know, he has peace and it's nice and quiet and it's a dark room and he can, and he can just nap, which is what dogs do a lot of the time. But sometimes I think, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would teach a dog to not be on furniture if I'm not home to reinforce that. Right. Right. I, I, I agree. Um, I, Cause like, I don't, I don't. And so, or, or, and we can say like, there are people who will use really ugly, mean things to teach their dogs that. And I'm just not willing to go there. Right. I agree with you on that. So I think the whole idea here is if you're going to crate your dog, which we think your dog should learn how to be crated or to be contained within a smaller environment, such as a, a laundry room or a, an X-Pen, that um, it's something that you do want to do. And it's something that what you want to do is make sure that the dog understands that this is a good place to be. And you can do that with a variety of, of reinforcements. Um, sometimes it's kind of small. Sometimes it's kind of big. That intermittent or, or sort of random reinforcement will help to make it actually a, a, a much nicer place to be. But it's something that you want to do for your dogs. And you know what? For yourself. Because as much as I love Zuzu, I'm sorry, I cannot work on my novel if she's on my lap. It's just... It just doesn't work because we start kissing mommy and then we put our head on the keyboard and I love her to death, but I can't write when she's right on top of me. So I'd rather have her near me and learn to be that I don't, I can be with mommy and not on top of mommy and it's okay. So I think all these things are good things for your dogs to learn as well. So um, reinforcement can come in a variety of ways and a lot of it depends on what's valuable to your dog. So one of the things I recommend you do is make a list of the things that is val- that are valuable to your dog. You know, what are the, what are the treats that are the most valuable? What are the toys that are the most valuable? What are the, the things that they like to do? Like maybe... Um, Zuzu, um, may, I haven't tried a snuffle mat with Zuzu. She might really love that. I'm, I'm thinking Clemmy absolutely adores her, her wubba, her Kong wubba that falls up and down. So that's something I can put inside. Uh, I will oftentimes do that for her, put her in the kitchen with her wubba and let her just knock that all Oh, you mean the the wobbler. Wobbler. Yeah. Yeah. She loves that thing. Zuzu is too hard. It's just too hard for Zuzu. I can't do that. So, you know, Zuzu gets a, a cardboard box with some treats in it, right? And that makes her happy. So try different things. And I think what you'll find is that the more you allow your dog to use this space in a way that makes them comfortable and you do things to help to make them happy, the more effective and calm your management is going to be. So with that do you have anything to add to that tina if i summed well, it up well and i i would just say there's tons and tons of resor- resources online either facebook or otherwise with easy enrichment you can do right like um adding a kong and and securing it to the door of the crate so that the dog can't it's off the floor the dog can't use their feet or like all sorts of different all sorts of different ways of doing it that the Kong suspended, right? You have to be safe about it, but but you can do all those things and make it interesting and a different puzzle for the dog. 
Um, right. And again, like it can be difficult. It can be easy. It can be paced for that individual dog. And I will also say, like, I think sometimes people who are resistant to a crate we lose them when we're talking about young puppies, right? Cause you are pretty restrictive in how much space they have. Cause we're trying to keep, get them to hold their bowel and bladder until we take them out. So we don't give them a whole bunch of free space, but my adult dogs have really generous crates, right? There's more than enough space for them to get up and move around and lay in a different position. And, and I work from home a lot of the time, the dogs are, very rarely crated for more than like, well, except at night for like more than four hours at a time. So, um, but they do have nice, generous sized crates, right? So that they can move around and be comfortable. Um, and I will say my senior dogs, like when they start getting older, then we start using more of an X pen or the kitchen because restricting right. movement can start to become really uncomfortable. Painful. Yeah. Right. But yeah. No, I, I get that. So you have to work according to the age of the dog and the ability of the dog. For puppies, you don't want the crate too large because it's st- instead of being a bedroom, it becomes a bed and a bath. And you don't want that. But um, as they get older and they're really crate trained, then yes, you can make it like a, a little um, one of those. Isn't there a, a show on H? on the home network, something like tiny houses. So it can be your dog's tiny house within the house. So, all right, Tina, thank you for again for another great episode. And we'll see you all next time on your family dog. Thanks for listening to your family dog. Got questions, interesting ideas, visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.